Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Kieran Rogers and today, listeners, we are going to be looking into traditional marketing demographics and exploring quite how broken they are. Now, I want you to introduce you to a new way of measuring results and segmenting your audiences. And to aid me in this task, I am joined today by David Allison. Say hello, David. Hello, David. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Uh, sure. Um, I had a marketing advertising uh, strategic direction firm for a long, long time, and I, I sold it. Uh, I guess it's been, gosh, it's been three years now. I don't know how that time all flew by so quickly, but uh, I sat down when we when I sold the company and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book here because that had always worked for me when I had the company." And I ended up writing this book called "We Are All the Same Age Now," and it's based on a huge, huge body of research and data that we've collected. And it has proven two big things. We'll get into some more detail as we go today, but the two big things it's proven is that demographics, all those segments we use in the marketing world, uh, about age and gender and income and marital status, number of children, and all those sorts of things, they don't work anymore. And we have stats to back that up. And instead, we have a new system called value graphics instead of demographics uh, that works eight times better. So this is really um, disruption and the high, of the highest order at the very baseline of all the decisions we make as marketers uh, all day long, every day for our clients. And value graphics is something you very much pioneered. Is that right? It's a word I came up with. I really wanted it to uh, this, this body of research and this work to fit into that set of uh, uh, we have demographics, we have psychographics, and we have value graphics. Uh, all three of them have a role to play. And I think when you, you mentioned when you first started that demographics is broken. Demographics is broken because we're trying to use it for things it was never meant to be used for. It still has a role to, be, uh, to play doing the things it's really, really good at. It's still a great way for us to understand the makeup of an audience. We have to define a target audience for a product or a service or a brand somehow. So knowing who the demographics are, what the demographics are for an audience is still very useful. And psychographics help us sort of take a look in the rearview mirror and say, what have those folks done up until today? How many bottles of water do they drink every week? Which car do they drive? All those sorts of things about them. But we've never had a way to predict what their future behavior is going to be. And that's where value graphics come in. So it's sort of the third layer in a three-layer cake. And together, all three of these tools make us far more powerful in terms of how we can influence audiences on behalf of the folks we're working for. So obviously, David, you are in marketing and people are using this technique as a way of getting a, really getting a better handle on their, their own markets. What kind of results have you seen from organizations using this new method? Well, I mean, that's that age old question, right? I mean, you ran a print ad and, and, or, or put a new website together. And uh, if there's a spike in sales, it's probably has nothing to do with the marketing. And if there's a drop in sales, it's marketing's fault entirely. Uh, and that's sort of the way the world has always gone. So there's, there's nothing different here. We bring very, very precise data to the table about what a target audience for something, in a particular something, a brand, product, service, idea, what they want and what messages will motivate them the most. If the uh, creative team, the strategy team, 
the client, the public relations team, the launch team, everybody else who's involved does their job properly, uh, in, in the, uh, the data that we're bringing to the table can boost effectiveness around all of those different functions as much as eight times. Now, it's a pretty hard thing to measure. Uh, it's a pretty hard thing to look at a situation after we've come through it and said, oh, well, that's eight times better than it was the first time. The stats tell us it should be eight times better. As we all know, as marketers, there's all sorts of other things that will impact what kind of outcome we have. What we do know uh, is it's making the entire process for the clients we've been working with so much faster and simpler. Uh, all the politics is removed, all the guesswork about what does our audience want. Uh, it uh, reduces the friction of the relationships between marketers and their clients or the people that they report to within an organization. Uh, it has so many benefits attached to it. Uh, and on top of that, will motivate your audience and the right audience more often. I wish I could be a little bit more precise and say, um, we got a 16.3% bump when we did this with such and such a brand and it took two months. I suppose if we found somebody willing to do some A-B testing, we could probably come up with some numbers that were a little bit more uh, precise. Um, we do know we're making an important impact and that the clients we've worked with so far are coming back for more and have said to us they will never do anything without this data again. I think this is really interesting. Really, when you, when you think about you know, basic demographic model uh, uh, applied to, to the letter, you know, it really is a bit flawed that, you know, we would assume everybody born within a particular time frame, so the same age and particular sex and particular um, kind of income would all behave the same way and all think about things in the same way. I guess, you know, in, in a similar respect, you know, a lot of people won't necessarily wouldn't or wouldn't use star signs as an appropriate way of you know dividing up their their, their markets but but really are star signs are so different from the kind of demographic models that we that that, that we use well we we can look at this from two perspectives i mean just the common sense perspective just look around us and say how many people today who are 50 are behaving the way 50 year olds behaved when we were young i'm 50 so i can pick up right so uh when i was 20 looking at a 50 year old i was an old guy uh and he certainly wasn't doing any of the things that i feel like i want to do these days um 50s the new 30s 70s the new 50 however all those things go uh and i know 25 year olds who behave and act and think and feel like they're about 70 and i know 70 year olds who are like 18 year olds trapped in an aging body so I, I, I think I think that this whole notion that age is somehow a predictor of behavior and preferences and wants and needs is, is clearly, just from a common sense perspective, is clearly something we can abandon. Uh, it, it's not just age, is it? It's not just age. You know, it's 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 all the other demographic metrics as well. It's it's gender, it's marital status, it's income. All the data we've pulled out of our database. So let's get into that for a bit, and I'll give you some stats to back this up. Uh, we have 75,000 surveys we've collected from across uh, North America, another 20,000 surveys from China, other sections of the world coming soon. Uh, and what we found consistently through all of these um, different surveys, and by the way, they're arranged in what the statisticians, uh, they fall to their chair when they hear this. These are, this is, all this data is arranged in a random stratified statistically representative sample of these populations, which in plain English just basically means we have a, a proportionately a replica of the real world. So we have in percentages, 
the same number of um, 70 year old women from southern United States, black people, white people, uh, tall people, short people, uh, urban, rural, suburban, all those different ways that you can slice and dice the real world demographically are represented in the same proportions in our database. Now we've asked them 380 different things. Uh, we have 40 core human values as metrics, and we have another 340 questions that are about wants, needs, and expectations. Because values are very, very powerful things, but they're even more powerful if you understand the context within which they exist. So the context is the wants, needs, and expectations that we have. So you just lump those numbers together. I, for the sake of conversation, we'll say 380 metrics across 75,000 surveys in this random Stratstat rep. Now, this is a 95% level of confidence and 3.5% plus or minus margin of error. So this makes it more rigorous than you'd need for a PhD from, from Harvard or Cambridge or Oxford. Uh, and if we just take the baby boomers, for example, out of this base, out of this, uh, uh, this benchmark study and see how often they agree with each other on those 380 things, Baby boomers only agree with each other, I hope you're sitting down, 13% of the time. Now that number to me is remarkable because I have sat in the course of my career in, in so many boardrooms where the first question is, who are we doing this for? And without even missing a beat, the answer is wealthy boomers. But if that's the case and boomers only agree with each other 13% of the time, that means 87% of our effort is being wasted. Now, let's look at some other categories. Millennials, we all like picking on the millennials right now. Millennials are ruining everything and millennials need a new uh, way of working and they need new HR and they can't come to work because they need a flex day and all the stuff that we have to do for the millennials. You just can't throw a rock without reading a story about how we have to change the world for these, uh, I call them unicorns in the enchanted forest. So, uh, in fact, though, millennials only agree with each other 15% of the time. So if you're going to change a policy or an idea or something about your company for the millennials, you're only going to get 15% of them at any given time excited. The other 85% are going to think that's nuts. So we really can't use age as a way to start figuring out what people want. Now, as you mentioned, this goes into other demographic categories as well. If you look at uh, income levels, people who earn 50000 75,000, 100,000, 200,000, they are all in those same low teens in terms of how often they agree on those 380 things. Married people, single people, divorced people. There was two demographic segments that were a bit of an outlier. One of them was single moms with one child. They got to agreement levels on those 380 things of close to 20%, which is still not a lot, but it's more than uh, 11, 12, 15% that we're seeing for all the other segments. Now, as soon as that single mom has two kids, uh, doesn't matter. She's back down in the, in, the, in the low teens. So it was just one weird outlier around single mom, one kid. And the other one is people who make more than $300,000 a year. So uh, that number, uh, you again, get close to 20%. But if you just ignore those two weird little outliers, which aren't quite they aren't really all that dramatic anyway, because they don't even bust out of 20% alignment. Most demographic categories are in the low teens in terms of how often people agree with each other on all 380 things in our database. The moral of the story is if we use values-based profiling for our audiences, those same measurements of how often we agree on all 380 metrics, they go from 76% 
to 89% agreement. So if we use those as a way to start thinking about how we look at our audiences and planning our, um, our products, our services, our brands, our messaging, our campaigns, we're going to get 76, 89% of the folks around any particular category interested in what we have to say, as opposed to 11, 12, 15% that we're getting now if we're using demographic stereotypes as a way to understand who our audiences are and how they might behave. It does kind of make sense. You know, the whole millennial thing, and there's, there's been lots of talk in, in marketing circles about how, you know, hard millennials are to reach. And But, you know, maybe we're just using the wrong way of defining our audiences and, and actually in doing so, completely missing the main plot altogether. You know what? Absolutely. I, I think a, a good way to think about this is uh, we've been slicing this loaf of bread the same way uh, forever. We make uh, slices uh, uh, vertically in this loaf of bread, and one slice of bread is women, one is men, one is millennials, one is boomers, and these slices of bread uh, is just the way we've always looked at our audiences and figured the world needs to be cut up into segments. What we need to do instead is slice the bread horizontally and say, you know what, there's going to be a group of people who are motivated by, let's randomly pick one value. This one comes up a lot, family. If family is the most important value in your life, somehow you are using family to make every decision through the course of your day, that's going to be true across all age categories and all income categories. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman or, or, or what color your skin is or how, how, how much money you have. If family is your thing, you're going to make every decision about buying a bottle of water, a car, a vacation, a sweater, somehow consciously or subconsciously family will come into the decision-making process. Uh, there's, a, there's a line. Um, it's the basic, sort of one of the basic building blocks of the entire field of uh, sociology, psychology, consumer behavior, and even if I'm being aggressive, uh, human behavior. And this one simple little line is sort of the backbone of value graphics and the research we've been doing. The line is, what we value determines what we do. So if you know the values of a group, you know what they're going to do. Now that to me seems like a far more valuable, pardon the pun, uh, uh, piece of information than knowing that my audience is 18 to 24 males. Because what do you really do with that? Uh, if I can tell you instead that my audience is driven by family, by friendship, and by, let's say, uh, respect for authority, now I have something I can go, huh, I'm going to build a program, a product, a brand, a message to tap into those values and activate those values on behalf of whoever I'm doing the marketing for. I think this is fascinating, really fascinating. I, I particularly like your analogy of slicing bread horizontally because in a literal sense, hey, it makes for a much more satisfying sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. My mom used to make those rolled up sandwiches when you go to fancy parties, you get the, the, the baker to slice the bread horizontally and you roll stuff up and you get pinwheels. Yeah. Fire bases. Yeah. 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 I know, but it goes much further than that. You know, I get, well, a lot of our listeners will be practicing content marketers. Mm -hmm. And if we begin to, you know, being able to, um, if we've been able to align how our desired audiences think and feel about certain things and what they're passionate about, then that's 
that's way more useful when making you know decisions on the various you know content that you're going to put your efforts and resources behind yeah i really do think this could radically change the measurement and outlook we get from our content marketing campaigns well let's hope so because i think these demographic categories we've been using are just nonsense and and uh, you know at this time in our in 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 human history uh demographics as a as a broken profiling tool the other thing that comes along the baggage that comes along with using demographics is they're they're inherently a discriminatory structure they force us to think about the world in terms of rich and poor and men and women and young and old and urban and rural they push us apart values however bring us together they make us put us in groups based on things we all care about and the things we all think are the most important things in the world so even if we ignore the ROI and how much more efficient this is and how much more effective our campaigns and our designs and our products and services can be the why around this the big mission here is if we can change the way the world looks at itself and start to think about the things that bring us together instead of the things that drive us apart i think we'll have a much better world and that that's kind of what makes me get up out of bed in the morning and and move on i do want to i want to talk about that content marketing piece you you brought up for a moment it's a great illustration um you know we're all content marketers these days we all have social media we need to deal with and even if it's not social it's just a, a blog we're putting up somewhere in some way or another we're all trying to tell stories uh the stories that you can tell once you understand the values of the audience you're talking to uh, are the same it can be the same stories it can be the same Uh, let's say features of a product or attributes of a brand what you do with the values that you know about the audience you're trying to appeal to is you use those as a lens use those as a variably i call them a lens or a filter so let's say family and let's pick um, a crazy thing and say we're an ice cream manufacturer and uh we want to tell stories about how pure the ingredients are in our ice cream um i'm absolutely making this up for the first time off the top of my head so this may end really poorly but we'll try here um, <laughs> we're going with it we're going uh, with it so so uh so ice cream manufacturer if he knows that family is the value that is driving the decision making process for everybody in his target audience he needs to talk to me about the pure and natural ingredients inside his ice cream in a way that's going to help me understand that this is a good decision for my family i don't want my family eating some kind of ice cream with horrible chemicals in it i want my family to eat ice cream that comes from a guy and a company who is a family they believe in family because they are a family creating this stuff with the best ingredients they possibly can find because at the end of the day we all want our families to be happy we want our families to be healthy and ice cream is like the jewelry of a good happy family uh it's uh it's the most important little um uh twinkle in your son's eye at the end of a good weekend. Now, now there's a there's an interesting story about um uh ice cream uh told through a family lens. Now, if that same company finds that their audience is actually far more interested in the environment, now we can talk about those ingredients, but we're going to talk about how sourcing local ingredients is better for the planet, how sourcing local ingredients means that we're not using uh chemicals that are going to be harmful for any of the crops around the uh crops that we're using for our our particular um ice cream uh and on and on and on and on you're telling the same story about the same stuff you're just using a different set of um uh thematic touch points if you will to activate the values of the folks that you're trying to talk to 
really interesting and just to to pick up on you know your ice cream uh, market reference there i i recently worked for um a fashion brand in the uk and our chief executive at the time quite quite famously when it came to well they, they were they were looking at the us market and trying to work out where they should open stores there and our chief executive at the time famously chose to look for well, places where they had ice cream stores, like independent ice cream stores that had really unusual combination flavours of ice cream. Because, he, you know, he recognised that the sort of people that would like the kind of clothing and, and, and branding um, that the company had would, would definitely be into that. So it definitely, you know, transcended, you know, traditional demographics massively. But I have to say, you know, I think he was, he was, he was, he was bang on. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really good way to spitball a value graphics profile for an audience. It makes my heart happy to hear that there's people who are trying to leave demographics behind because that, that guy, that company, traditionally speaking would say, well, let's see, our customer base are all uh, 24 to 36 and they're um, uh, singles and they earn uh, $50,000 a year. So let's go choose locations in the United States where there's a preponderance of those folks based on what we know from their postal code sortation indexes. Uh, and that's where we're going to put our stores. <laughs> it does sound really scientific when you do the whole demographics thing, doesn't it? You know, you've got lots of metrics and numbers and, and stuff. But I, I do wonder, you know, whether you put your you know, budgets and, and strategy behind, you know, a different segmentation model. Let's, let's just say, you know, I, I, Joe, I'd love it if someone would actually, you know, take take the challenge and, and put their, their money and strategy behind, you know, perhaps segmenting their audience based on, on signs of the Zodiac, just to see whether they had any significantly different outcomes. And, you know, not to, and certainly not to, you know, um, dismiss anybody that, that that's really passionate about, about signs of the Zodiac and stuff. I'm not knocking it at all, um, you know, each to their own, own beliefs. But it, it just, I think generally is considered less scientific. And yet is it? I don't know. I don't know. And I, I guess... I guess I'm, I, what I'm trying to say is I'm really taken with value graphics. I think, you know, it's really exciting what you've written a book about. No, th- 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 thank you for that. Uh, I will, I will just touch on what you said a moment ago, you know, the, the horoscope, the, the birth signs, uh, really, when you get down to it, if you look at how we use age categories, age ranges in a boardroom to make decisions, how is that any different than business astrology? That's really all it is. It's business astrology. Uh, and when you think about the trillions of dollars around the world that are being spent developing new ideas and products, services, brands, brand extensions, and how much money is being spent on R&D and design and, and, and marketing and messaging and sales and distribution, and it's all based on business astrology. That's kind of... <laughs> Oh, this this is so much fun. It, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to investigate business astrology <laughs> to see whether that's actually a thing. But I'm not going to go. No, I'm really not going to going to go there. So, look, I think I think I'm sure the question on everybody's lips is going to be, you know, how can we learn more about this this new way of approaching our audiences? How can we how can we really get behind this if we think it's a a, a fun and, and a smart way to go? Okay, well. Um... I have a couple of different ways you can do that. Uh, I, I wanted to find a way to make this as widely available as possible 
So first off, uh, there's all kinds of stuff about this on my website at valuegraphics.com. I am the least shy person in the universe on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. I mean, Google value graphics, hashtag value graphics, or the name of my book, which is we are all the same age now, hashtag we are all the same age now. Uh, you'll find all kinds of stuff to look at. Uh, so there's a, a good primer. Um, now in the book, uh, which is available on Amazon.uk uh, as well as uh, uh, .com, .ca, a bunch of other dot .whatevers. Um, in the book, I came up with a uh, rough and ready 10-question um, survey and the answer key and uh, a whole lot of information about our top 10 biographic archetypes. Those archetypes represent uh, the largest, most powerful uh, data peaks that we found in this massive, massive database that we built. Now, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of data peaks. Uh, but the top 10 as a random, just like could have been top 11, it could have been top seven, we just chose 10. Um, we've, we go into them in some detail in, in the book. And what the survey does is allow you to uh, administer it to any group of people you would like. So you can just send it out to your customer database. You can hand it out to your friends at a party if you want, uh, and you can find out which of these archetypes is the most important for that particular group, and more and, and, and as well, which is the least important for that particular group. And if you know those two things, you can start to draw some inferences. Now, it's not as scientific and precise as custom as, it, as, as working with us and commissioning with uh, us to do a custom profile for you, but it's leaps and bounds better than continuing to say, we're marketing to boomers. So that, that's anybody's to have for the cost of a book. Uh, it's just buy the book. It's there, everything you need to know. Uh, and of course, the big, the big kahuna is, uh, uh, you know, work with us directly um, and we'll be able to get you to that 95% level of confidence and a 3.5% plus or minus margin of error. Well, David, thanks so much for, for you know, giving us the time, giving us this insight. And guys, we're going to put lots of links to, um, you know, the book and blogs. And if you want to follow David on social media, find out more about this. Um, it'll all be in there in the show notes. And, and David, we wish you the best of luck with this. I'm, I am extraordinarily excited about any marketing technology that, you know, can not only do a better job, but that could actually make the world a better place uh, and actually bring us all closer together yeah that sounds like a win-win situation to me if ever i heard one it's a win-win for everybody and i really appreciate being asked to come and join you today and thank you for everybody who's taken the time to listen and um i i together if we all jump on board here and improve our companies improve our roi we can we can absolutely make the world a better place while we're doing it so fingers crossed uh that we uh we get to that place Thanks very much for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast. If you want to continue your learning in digital marketing, get over to targetinternet.com and sign up for the free trial of our digital marketing e-learning platform. There's over 140 bite-sized courses for you to try and lots of other learning resources as well. So get on there and sign up for the free trial.